Hey, it's Agrita Chandrao, and you're listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast, which calls for the radical healing of the self and community that can allow us to outgrow cultures of scarcity and hyper-individualism so that we can move to more caring and regenerative ways of living and working in community. In this month's episode, we invite to the show Marybeth Decker. We can all imagine when someone has emotion, is it experiencing an emotion? It's not just a mental thing. There's a body response. So I could feel love. I could feel anxiety and where it was in the body. That's those sorts of things. And then also started to feel where things were not going right in the body. And I would feel them in my own body. Marybeth is an intuitive animal communicator, medical intuitive and energy healer, and is a founder of sacredgrove.com, where people and pets heal and connect. She works with people to help their animal companions move gracefully through transitions, whether it's into the family, into a new family, or onto the next life. A retired Navy officer, Marybeth's rich personal life experiences have enabled her to bring a wealth of heart-centered wisdom to her work, and her unyielding intention is to consistently bring forth the maximum benefit for all concerned in the most benevolent manner possible. Welcome, Marybeth, to the show. I'm so excited to have you on here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you so much. There's so much here that we have to sort of unpack in this space. But before we begin, as we do with every single guest and on every single episode, I would love if you could just join us for a breathing sort of practice that we like to do. It kind of just grounds us in the space, gets us ready for what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so to begin, if you are able to get into a comfortable position and close your eyes. As we always do, we are just going to give this time to really just notice the sort of space that you're in right now, the space that is holding you and really allowing you to focus on yourself and really bring back that attention to the body. So first of all, just take a minute to notice the sort of sensations around you in the room that you're in, in the space you're in. Notice the sounds, perhaps the sounds from outside or if you're living with anyone. And whilst we're doing this practice, do remember to take deep breaths. We are going to be taking deep breaths together towards the end, but constantly take those deep breaths and really just relax into the moment. So now we're going to bring the attention to the body and really just break it down. So focusing on how each body part relaxes and reaches a comfortable state that is comfortable for you. We're going to start off with the back. So just gradually sit up straight, making the back straight as possible, allowing for that stretch to come in. You can also push your shoulders back. 
and then release that and try to come into a position that is not too slouched, not too straight, something that's comfortable. Right now your heads might be a bit tilted down, so we're going to try to get your head into a sort of comfortable position too. So tilt your head up and allow your neck to stretch as well. And then gently bring the head down to somewhere in the middle, something that seems or feels comfortable for you. Now we're going to move the attention to our hands and our arms. So your hands might be cupped together or your fingers may be interlocked or your palms of your hands could be on your thighs right now. It doesn't matter what position they're in, but we can still allow them to relax. First of all, feel your arms sort of loosen up. And with practice, you can notice the difference between like a tensed body part and something that's more relaxed. So it's really just finding that comfortable point for yourself. If your arms are relaxed, then focus on the fingers. Again, it doesn't matter what position they're in. Just allow the fingers to relax. And now we're going to focus on the legs and feet. So if you're sitting on a chair right now, again, allow your legs to relax. Even if you're sitting cross-legged, you can really feel the legs relaxing. And also allow the feet to relax. You're putting too much pressure on the balls of your feet. And again, try to move them around and try to find that point where they feel more relaxed than they do tense. Keep taking those deep breaths in between. So now we're going to take five deep breaths together. But again, you're always welcome to take as many more as you wish. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Take a deep breath in. And deep breath out. Deep breath in. 
and deep breath out. Now in your own time, I mean, if you're ready, gently open your eyes. Thank you so much for joining us with that, Maribeth. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to begin the conversation, and I like doing this with every guest that I bring on to the show, it would be amazing if you could let the audience know sort of how you journeyed into this space of animal communication and energy healing, because it started off as something that perhaps most people wouldn't really relate to animal communication, right, for you, and then you know, now you're in this amazing and beautiful space guiding people along the way to build that relationship with the more than human. So it'd be lovely if you could start the episode off that way. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I, I like my story the way it is. I, I mean, part of me, I have to say, part of me wishes like I came out of my mom's womb talking to animals. But I don't think that was it. <laughs> I really loved animals, but but I decided that that's a really good thing to have as my experience because it says that I believe we are all capable of this. Mm-hmm. And I, whatever you want to call it, luck, the way life turns out for me, you know, where I was guided, I became an animal communicator. And it was very interesting. I had finished two careers. I was uh, a retired Navy officer and then well, U.S. Navy. You can tell by my accent. Um, accent, Buffalo, New York accent. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> Honestly, um, yeah, it's still there after all these years. And then uh, I, wor- I worked for an association for a number of years. And at the end of that time, I started uh, learning some energy healing. After after starting massage, it was just like I was doing it, a full-time job, and then I started doing this. And my husband said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Okay. And when I started learning energy healing, I'm not sure. I became a Reiki Reiki master and I learned some other things. My dog started communicating with me. Mm, Yes. Yeah. It was, I'm like, and what was maybe best of all for me was the beginning of it were two dogs that passed. Mm -hmm. They had left the planet, so to speak, and they came in and one of them, joined me while I was making dinner for a very short, it was a very short time. And um it looked like he was sitting in the dining room in his full Timmy self, one ear up, one ear down, big grin. And I was yes. just so excited. Oh yes. Caught <laughs> him out of the corner of my eye and I turned and looked and he was gone. But it was so real. I mean he wasn't ghost-like. It wasn't like, oh, I see the dining room table. Be No, he was sitting on the floor. And I knew he survived death, and he was looking good and happy. And I always like to say, and he took the time to come back and tell me that he was good and he loved me and all. I mean, just in that split second, you can get so much information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then uh, another one and another one and another one. And uh, when my dog Tibor start, I started feeling like I was seeing visions from his life before we rescued him. Mm-hmm. And um, I found this into a friend of mine. I don't know what's going on. She says it's called animal communication. I'm like, oh. And I was so shocked that that was that was something people did. I had already been doing energy healing for humans. 
that was cool. And I learned how to do animal communication, like to say on purpose by getting some training and being able to communicate with animals and their people and seeing them as a, a, like we're talking about relationships and what's not working and what is or what people are worried about. or I just loved it. I fell in love with that whole scenario. And uh, that's where my focus has been. Uh, with, with that, with not only the communicating, but also getting information about how they're feeling physically and doing energy healing. Sometimes for just the animal, sometimes for the human too. Mm -hmm. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful experience that you had with um, with your dog. And yeah, it's it's amazing. And I have no words. I have no words for it. They're so beautiful, right? Yes. Yeah, there's so much love there. And um, what can I say? I've got a lot of pictures. You can't see it, but there's pictures of them right right over there of the ones who've passed. So I can just look at them and, and my cat and and uh, feel mm-hmm. feel their presence still. It's, it's very comforting. Yes. Yeah, I can totally imagine. So when we talk about communicating with the more than human, of course, they don't speak our verbal language. So there are many different ways that you can communicate with them. And one of the ways you do that is telepathic communication. How did you decide upon that, that being the sort of main medium to connect with the more than human um, kin of your clients and even, even your own more than human kin? First off, I love the term more than human. Thank you. Yes. Because we keep, we mostly think of them as less than human. So thank you. I was hoping to just get an equal, but if we can see that they're even more than human, maybe, maybe we can get people thinking differently about our, our, our relationship with the animals. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So let me just say that to say thank you, Agrita. <laughs> no worries. My pleasure. <laughs> for me, telepathy might have a different meaning than for others. Mm-hmm. For me, Telepathy is receiving information, uh, the mind and the brain receiving information through vibrations, whatever you want to call them, signals from the more than humans. So when I think of the brain receiving information, it's the brain that receives the information of sight, sound, hearing. I mean, there are signals going from our hands up to the brain saying, yeah, now I'm holding my hands, right? But it's the brain that interprets it. So telepathy for me is receiving signals in all the areas that the brain can do it on a physical level. Yeah. So, oh, you get it. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> so it's, for me, it started with just a sense of feeling unknowing. I, I think a lot of people have that already if they have a beloved more than human in their life. That's just sometimes they have a knowing about what they need, what they want, what they don't want. And it's not just watching their body language. There's more going on. And for me, it then became words and visuals. And it's not like I had my eyes open and I, I was watching a movie, but it was eyes closed and something showed up uh, like a memory does. So we were, I was hearing things, I was seeing things, and then I was starting to feel things in my body. We can all imagine when someone has emotion, is it experiencing an emotion? It's not just a mental thing. There's a body response. So I could feel love. 
I could feel anxiety and where it was in the body, that those sorts of things. And then also starting to feel where things were not going right in the body. And I would feel them in my own body. So it's really, it's gotten, I get a lot more information. Mm-hmm. I'll stop there. Just see if, if there's more that I can talk about in that area. But Yes. No, um, you kind of read my mind because that was the next question I had. Okay. <laughs> you know, most people, the I think the dominant understanding of telepathy is that it is very sort of intangible and you know it's not really embodied uh, but it has as you mentioned it has so much to do with the body the sensations and the energy around the body and the body that is experiencing that connection so I actually wanted to ask you how it feels like to have that physical experience of making that telepathic connection which a lot of people won't see as a embodied experience but it's it's pretty much all got to do with the body right it, it does. I, I think that the physical body and the spiritual body, the or I think they work together. I don't know quite well, but there's definitely the physical bodies involved uh, because I get the sensations. Yeah, because I get the memories sometimes, or other other things like that. Uh, and it's really it's very useful to actually feel or know something in the body that there is. Uh, it's an affirmation that like something real is going on here. And there's also something healing when you're talking, I'm going to try to say more than human instead of animal. So we'll see how, how well I do. When you connect with a more than human being and they all understand that you are right in tune with them and you get them and there's an empathetic response, that's healing for them. Just like any time we've had a good conversation with with a friend or a family member, and uh, there's no judgment there, they're just listening and going, "Oh wow, I got this." Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it's the same for our animals, our our more than human beings. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a lovely it's a, it's a lovely experience. So before sort of reaching out to you or like confirming that the interview will go forward, I was looking at your website and you were talking about the difference between connecting to domestic animals or uh, what we call pets usually and um, wild animals. So often with pets, you have that reciprocation. They want to connect with you because they have that emotional bond that has been created over the years but with wild animals perhaps our reciprocation is not there um there may be other obstacles that you have to overcome when you are connecting and communicating with them but i would just i'd like to bring reciprocity into it as well because that's something that's all stood out to me when i was looking at your work and it's something that you're talking about here yeah it needs to be from both ends it does need to be from both ends where we are most of us who have more than human kin in and with us, we have a family relationship with them. So when you have that love connection, that helps the communication. And, and then also I believe that uh, no matter what the species, they're listening to us talk and there's a vibration of that. So it's like they're learning our language uh, in some way. Yeah. I won't discuss the science because I'm talking a little differently about how many words a dog can understand. I, there's something more going on there. So we've already got something going telepathically through our love and through our brains and probably other body parts. But anyway, you know, hands touching bodies. 
But when we're talking about animals who don't live with us, we're not part of their family. We're part of the background noise in many cases. We have a lot of squirrels in my neighborhood. My little dog, Molly, thinks they are all there for her to chase. And she'd like to. I don't let her. Yes. <laughs> but but if you ask them, they're like, oh, those are those are those beings that just walk by. And there's that. They've even put the word out about Molly, about Molly. <laughs> she, she's a barker. She's driving nuts. Just go up the tree and leave her alone. But they're not focused on us. It's like we don't, we don't sit and think about, I wonder what the squirrels are having for dinner tonight. And maybe, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what do they do? They're not focused on us. It's real human centered to think that mm-hmm. we can, okay, I want to say it. This is my experience. I could be wrong. But to think that they're just going to stop and say, oh, human, you want to talk to me? Yeah, I've been waiting for years. Tell me everything you want to know and let's connect and be be involved. I, I think they got things going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I'm a Harry Potter fan and there's one time where Harry meets the hippogriff and he's very quiet and he's very respectful and the hippogriff bows and Harry bows. And I think that that's a pretty cool energy that you just pull yourself back quietly and respectfully and then attempt a communication with a kind of a friendly energy. And, and you may get a response somehow. You may just know that they get it. Have you tried communicating with them all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this morning, um, this Molly story, which is really funny, is when I walk her and my dog Newt, I tell the squirrels, you need to get up the tree now. You need to go up the tree because she's going to run out to you and bark at you. And it's, it's no fun for anybody. And then this is one day I looked at a squirrel. I said, she's coming. You need to go up the tree. And she went around and she did the usual thing of usually going where you can't see them anymore. Out of sight, out of mind. That's pretty true for Molly. And then she comes back around the tree and she looks at Molly and she stares and stares at her. And that's why I got there. The word out is out on this dog. She's like, you're <laughs> the one they've been talking about. That just came by and I laughed so hard. So I say hello to the squirrels. I, I connected with the crow this morning while I was walking the dogs. They had dog treats and uh, I put them in my hand and just walking by. I, I whistled to him, her, whatever. And, uh, finally, sometimes if I get a connection, it feels, there's a funny feeling in my scalp right here. I said, okay, somehow they, they noticed me and I throw the treats out. I said, those are for you. And I felt like I didn't see him go down and get it, but I believe that he or she will go down and investigate because there was some connection there. The amazing to be, you know, you just yeah. enter the sort of ecosystem and, you're able to make those connections when, like you said, right, the energy has to be friendly and it has to be willing to sort of accept that perhaps invitation to connect. Absolutely. Yeah, you're kind of sending it out and say, hey, um, hello, would you like to? And, you know, and um, it's lovely. It's, a, it's, an, it's an added attraction to walking around. You know, hopefully everybody's got some somebody, some non-human form of uh, being that they can practice connecting to just say hello to them like you say hello to your neighbors and their dogs and cats (laughs) yeah yes yeah 
So I actually wanted to talk a bit about mourning and grief when it comes to the more than human kin. And I understand this is this may be a bit difficult for you, but it's also a space where I feel that is not taken too seriously. Um, And that is because, as you mentioned, the more than human in the dominant culture are seen as less than human. They don't have any rights really protecting them, particularly in Western countries and cultures. So it's a difficult thing to process, first of all. And when you don't have that support and people don't take you seriously, it becomes even more challenging because, like you said, they are kin, they're family. So we have as much right to mourn them as we do human kin. And I think telepathic communication is an amazing way to do that for animals that have passed and transitioned into the spirit world. So it would be amazing if you could explain to us and and describe to us the ways that you support your clients to transition through that phase. Because I genuinely think, um, I haven't experienced this yet, but it's something that I feel every single person who has an animal in their home needs to prepare themselves for. And if you have gone through it, you need that support and guidance. So I think it would be really amazing if we could talk about that. But as much as you can, um, I don't want to force you to go into too much detail or anything like that okay this is a safe space oh that's okay yeah 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 thank you um i've done so much work in this area i i did i did write a book piece in passing i'll just say that on the side uh but i have to say i have so many people that i worked with that were like yes i said can i can i use that in the book the story about and you're like yes and so they got pictures of their animals in the book and their stories and that's that was half of my joy and writing a book that was very hard to write. Yeah, I can imagine. Yep, it was. But what what I can do and how I do is is um say that we have we have the right to grieve about our animals. If we are connected with love, if you're listening to this, you are. They they know that and they love us so much that they're probably the best example of love without restrictions, without uh, requirements, uh, just unconditional love is the term, I guess we hear. They're probably the best example we're going to find of unconditional love. We humans are, we got a lot of work to do in that area. Yes. <laughs> so as much as we love our human counterparts, and, you know, we, we have long-term relationships, and we love our children, and we love our parents, our animals there's something there that um, comes through so cleanly and beautifully, and and they're not perfect people either. They've got their they've got their problems and and ways of doing things, and yet you have a right to grieve. It's a real loss. It's a deep loss. That's the first thing I, I want to say. the The other thing that I might say are we can start to find out how they're feeling physically uh, using my medical intuition. That helps people know. Just uh, sometimes things as simple as, is the pain medication working? You know, is nobody wants their animals to be in pain. Nobody wants their companions to be in pain. And so we can do that so I can give them some in, some insight into that. And then they go back to their veterinarians or whatever they're using and make the adjustments and see if that makes sense. So you got a, a sense of relief in that area. And, and even... If they get closer to their bodies not functioning well, I can give help people get a sense of whether their animals are still interested in hanging around or it's getting tougher and tougher for them to enjoy the experience as much as they love us. 
And that decision is up to the person, whether they want to just allow them to go naturally or, uh, or euthanization, whatever it is. But I just provide information so that they can make a decision. If it's euthanasia, I explain to the animal, the more than human being, how it's going to go and how they can just step out of their body. And uh, we can check in with them afterwards. Uh, I usually give them a couple weeks to reorient themselves and see how things are going. And what if I have to step back for a second? And there's there's a really lovely conversation that can be had towards the end of how much that you, you love them and how much they love you. And and we kind of know that, but it's there's something very soothing and re- relaxing to have that kind of conversation. And even have it after they've passed because some people wonder if they've done, if they let them go too soon or they held them on too long and they can find out whatever's going on and still make peace with it. We kind of work through the whole, the whole transition period in whatever way people and want to work with it. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Mary Beth. I just wanted to ask. Do the animals also communicate with you to let you know that, you know, they do want to stay or they do want to go? Do they sort of communicate back in that way? They give me a sense of what they would like or what, where they're, how they're feeling. And I, I don't say like, put them down now. Yeah. <laughs> <be horrible>. <laughs> hey, that's not. Oh my goodness. No, that's, oh, um, but. I worked with somebody yesterday and, and, um, their, their cat was at the point, they had some neurological problems and at the point was it felt like they were trapped. This is the word that came through. Now that didn't lead this person to say, oh, let me call the veterinarian, but she's, she knows that now because there, there were neuro- neurological problems. And so it was like into like a, a car. And, and nothing, nothing worked right. You tried to shift gears and couldn't do it. And you tried to turn and like nothing is working and it was frustrating. So I was able to share that information so that she knew where they were. Very rarely do I hear somebody say, get me out of here. And even that I'll caution people to listen. I hope to see you find this funny, but what I've learned is I think there's a reason why they said cats have nine lives because Cats, I've met a couple of cats who've changed their mind. Really? Seriously. Wow. Seriously. <laughs> my, my, one of my clients had her cat and, um, I'll just call him Gerald. He was an outdoor cat. He was gone for a while. So I picked up that he had been attacked somehow and was pretty scared to come home. So I said, you know, do what you have to do. Take it by piece, but she wants you home. Come home. So when we came home, he had the the side of I'm I'm touching the the side of my uh, cheek had been torn really badly. Yeah, and so they had to take him to the vet. And I was like, "How are you doing?" He's like, "I've had it with this. Uh, I'm just ready. This is terrible." And she said, "Okay, okay. So here's what we'll do." She says, "We'll take care of you at home. We'll see if we can just get it at home, and you don't have to go to the vet anymore." And he's like, "Oh, no more vet visits. Okay, I'll stick with." <laughs> Wait, he started out feral, so you can kind of get the background. Yeah. But I'm telling the story that way. It's not quite as clear, but I'm telling it in a human way. Oh, so amazing. You, and he did. He stuck around for a while. Yeah. This is why I love cats. <laughs> you just never know. 
we, I, I had an analogy about that uh, because I, I've been trying to figure it out because some people just say, well, it's time, it's your time to go. It's your time to go. And I said, ah, it doesn't, I haven't quite seen that. So I live in the Washington DC area of the US and around the, the capital is, is what we call the beltway because it's a circular six to eight lane highway that can go from anywhere from zero miles an hour to 90, depending on who the driver it is and what time of day it is. <laughs> okay. But to me, um, those exits off the beltway are, are, could be, you could think of them as, as an analogy to taking an exit from life. And I think you get a couple different exits. So you look at those young animals, those young dogs and cats and whatever. I think they're over in the fast lane, probably speeding. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the middle age and they're somewhere in the middle lane. And then they start moving over to the slow lane. And sometimes like this cat, they're like looking and they're saying, I'm going to take the next exit. And then something happened. They go, oh, no. And they move over to the They just move over to the middle lane and go, ah, hold you. <laughs> and so you can kind of look and see where, you know, which lane are they moving in? And have, have they got their eye on an exit? Or did they just say, well, not yet. I'm going to keep going for one. Mm, yeah. I think there's a possibility of making different decisions. And you see that when you do see them as as equal to human or more than human in this case, right? Because we we are indecisive. We make sudden decisions, yeah. right, as humans. And we're quite unpredictable, I would say, to a certain extent. Um, and then it goes it goes for the, uh, the same for mammals and birds yeah. and just, yeah, just other beings who aren't human. Yeah. So the more than human can also make that decision. And what I want to say here for everybody listening, because I, even I have had this, I mean, I, you write a book about it and you think you're, you're not going to have feelings of, of loss. It, that's, that's a bunch of crap. I felt so much loss last year when I lost uh, my dogs and a two dogs and a cat. So I just want to tell you where the grief is there. Yeah. But I, I have received information, if we can put it that way, that says that they gave us their medical power of attorney. I'm using a, a, a U.S. phrase, but in other words, they've got something that says, I trust you, human, to make the, make those decisions for me. It's part of why I joined the family. I trust you to make the decisions. So even if somebody who chooses euthanasia, if you do it out of love and concern and care, you, you can know in your heart that they're okay with it. There's, there, there aren't grudges being held. They're not angry about it. Oh, that has been my experience when I connect with those beings in the afterlife. They're pretty cool with it. They're like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Love you. <laughs> yeah, I know that it's always a very difficult decision to make for anyone. I would say even like a vet, you know, telling the person that this is probably the best option <sighs> because then there is a, question of well do i have the right to do this and to make that decision but as you said if if it's made out of love and it's made out of concern uh, for the well-being of of the being then hopefully that is the right decision and they get that freedom right that liberation from worldly pains i i, th I think that it, it, it's really hard to pull right and wrong out of it but if it's made out of love it's a good decision and i i even think that sometimes when people hear their vets recommending from a medical standpoint to end the life, 
people can still say, well, I know my animal and I know me. And they can have, a, they can say, no, not yet. Or they have the right to make that decision. Cause I know the vets are doing it out of concern. Yeah. And from what they see, but sometimes they don't know what the family needs or what, what the final stuff that's needed before they can let go. Mm-hmm. So listen to your own heart and, you know, make the decision from your heart. Yeah. I think often vets, the, the language that they're speaking to, the the humans right that bring the the animals in it's not one that involves love and it's not really from the heart and I feel that quite a lot particularly for cats I feel like cats are quite abandoned when it comes to or at least that's my experience like the level of care and concern that I see from a vet towards a dog is is different for a cat and so when I when let's say my cats are just throwing up and and it's not really a big thing or if something has happened and I bring them in and I pay however much for the emergency fees and then they're like why why did you bring them in you know you could have just just let them sort of throw up or whatever because they're cats cats throw up I was like, but I'm concerned for my child and, you know, I I just wanted to bring them in. And even though it will cost quite a bit, it's okay. We want to make sure everything's okay. Um, But I do see that confusion on their face. And if you're making such a difficult decision to put them down, for example, and you're not getting that sort of care and concern from the other side, then it can seem like so disorientating. Yes. Yes. I think that's just a problem with like the medical world. It becomes very emotionless. And I understand because they have that sort of pressure and, you know, they have so many patients and things like that. So they have to keep it short. But it can seem really dehumanizing for us, but then also really unethical for your animal. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that um, I'm going to I'm going to just say something that, that feels right right now. In the medical world, you're dealing with so many things and so much distress when it comes to people's animals. And possibly one of the ways that you deal with it is to just shut down and stick to the physical. Yeah. You know, that's a coping mechanism. I don't know. I have, I also sense, because uh, I hear it from a lot of people, is why can't cats be like dogs? It's like, because they're yeah, not. Yeah, absolutely dogs, not. <laughs> 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 But, but they, you know, uh, yes, they're different. They, they have a different, possibly different way of expressing affection or, or joy. And, but certainly it's there. Uh, I got one sleeping at my head and one sleeping at my feet and they don't even like each other, but yeah. they will sleep. <laughs> um, I, I think maybe that's part of it too is, is not everybody has had the ex- experience of what a, being loved by a cat is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't been blessed yet. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I, I hope they get the chance to to feel that love. But yeah, it's it's got to be hard to be in that be in that role. And and I we still have the right to say, well, no, I'm taking him for my own peace of mind. If I'm a nervous wreck, it's energetically it's going to affect my cats anyway. So yeah. Exactly. And um, whenever I have taken them in, my cats have always been very grateful for that. And it's always helped them. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) So long as they're happy, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So Mary Beth, just to sort of wrap the episode up, it's amazing what we've talked about today. But how do you envision your work to sort of reach out into the wider community and the sort of dominant culture that's still struggle to see the more than human as equal 
these really like fully alive, agentic beings, I feel like people still struggle to see that. So how do you envision your work to sort of spread out and perhaps even reach like sort of the macro level? Of course, that perhaps is not your target or your goal, but yeah. Um, I'd love to be a part of the shift. I'll tell you that. My my contribution right now is I would just love to start with there being an, someone who has the ability to communicate with animals intuitively in every family and maybe in every vet office and every accredited zoo. I'm going to say it there. Good zoos in every rescue. Yeah. But I'm talking with the family. So, I mean, I, I created a little family animal communicators community where people wanted to. They could take one of my, my mini Uconnect course. But that's the idea that, like, not only do you go to the vet or you get this feeling, but you, you can actually connect with them. And then my hope was like, then they kind of go, maybe our hearts will open a little bit more and we'll see other non-human species and start to learn about them and start to have more respect as we even have more respect for those who are in our family. That I would love. I'm not sure how to make it happen, but I'm hoping that that would be the seed that one of the seeds that starts to get us to look at the whole of creation as being more than human. Uh, where we can learn some lessons from them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it starts from the home. It starts with family. I believe so. And as we interact with the world, well, each member sort of interacts with the world, then yeah, hopefully that message spreads through. Yeah, yeah it's amazing the work that you do, Maribeth. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Love is what we need, right, for transformation. <laughs> and then that's what we like to center in this space. And I'm so happy that you have entered this space and you're leading it and you're guiding people. I definitely think at one point I would love to work with you to sort of connect with my cats. It would be an amazing experience. And um, when we met first time before this episode, you talked about how you don't even need to be in person to create those communications. You could be making them from across the world. So I would love to experience that with you once. And Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it would be amazing. But thank you so much and and for showing us this uh, language of love through communication that comes right from the heart yeah. and that and that sees the more than human as is equal, but having an experience that doesn't require a humanized understanding of what is going on. But it's an amazing, it's an amazing experience to actually have them in your home and be able to sort of decenter your own experience. It's very humbling, but it's also very insightful. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank you for saying all that. It absolutely is. Yeah, thank you so much, Mary Beth. And I really hope that this episode has reached all the animal lovers and people who have <laughs> more than you can in their home right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and follow the show on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to give a rating on iTunes so that the show can reach other wonderful humans like you who also enjoy engaging in the conversations held in this space. To find out more about Mary Beth's work and to access her services, visit sacredgrove.com and visit mindfuloferything.com for full episode resources. Here's wishing you all a very Merry Christmas if you do celebrate and a Happy New Year. 
Thank you all once again for supporting our small show and I hope to see you all with us in the new year on this journey to centering healing and love in the shift towards harmonial living.